We're going to look at Acts chapter 16 today. Lord, guide us as we look at your word. It's a story about Paul and a slave girl, Sia. So once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she followed Paul and the rest of us uh, shouting, Yes, got that. She kept us up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around, he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And when their owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they were not very happy. They seized Paul and Silas, they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And so what have we met here in this passage of scripture? A demonized woman. And the word for that, diamonizomai, is used in the New Testament. It speaks of when there's an effect of some spiritual principality or power upon an individual. Translated usually for us as demonized or possessed. So this woman in some way is influenced by a spirit entity. Now we know from the Bible that there are two, two sorts of spirit entities and they were, you know, the angels. God created good angels and he created bad angels. Well, actually he created them all good, but some chose to be bad. And angels serving God and you have angels serving Satan. One of the lies of Satan's angels is that there are many, many neutral angels. They're neutral, they're just nice guys. It's not the case. But Satan has this capacity to sneakily disguise himself in a very attractive manner. And no wonder for Satan himself has the capacity to masquerade as an angel of light. That's what he can look like, he can look really good. I've had some people in discussions talk about this lovely white spirit that uh, blessed them when they were doing yoga. Uh, but not neutral because, and we want to find out what's this person like. Well, let's look in Revelation. And war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, and what's his job? He leads the world astray. He leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And the society we live in, loosely called Western society, has been trying to deny the presence of these types of evil spirits ever since the Enlightenment. And that's the time in the history of mankind. Uh, and they, at that point, science and rational thinking became the big thing. And they said, well, spirits, that's something from the old times, from the Middle Ages. And they can't be around because everything can be explained rationally. 
And they think the reason and science evicted the spirits, that it was the gospel. It was the power of Jesus and his followers which forced the dark spiritual powers out of mainstream culture. Now, non-Western societies and cultures, they've always had to deal with unexplained spiritual forces and they know that behind the sort of gods that they make up, behind them there are spirits. And they know that they're not neutral or beneficial because they have to work really hard to appease them or, or to trick them or to make deals with these fickle and evil spirits who promise you power on one hand and then they suck the goodness out of you to pay for it. And history shows us that the people who got closest to those spirits through worshipping and serving those gods that hid uh, the gods but the priests and priestesses particularly, usually, the closer they got to their God, the more shines they showed of being possessed in some way by the Spirit. And that's what we're finding in this portion of Scripture here today. We've got a slave girl who is possessed to some extent by, and it may not have appeared in your translation, but it's a python, python spirit. And they gave her the capacity to see some, somewhat into the future. Now this, this phenomenon of being a possessed or affected by spiritual forces can be found in pagan cultures from the past and to this day. From the Mesopotam ancient Mesopotamians and Greeks to the Romans to the Zambians, the Taiwanese, Eskimos, people of Africa, Asia, South and North America and Europe. And notice I'm saying these are pagan cultures. We don't know Jesus. And it's only because Christianity effectively conquered Western culture and evicted the spiritual powers behind the pagan gods. So that's why we pay so little attention to this thought that we could be affected by spiritual powers. But we're seeing a slide away from a Christian understanding. We're seeing a slide away from biblical foundations. We're seeing a return of pagan religious ideas all around us. And that's why this story is a, a good story, an important story, because it shows how you can deal with pagan spiritual influences. But first, let's, let's talk about that uh, Python thing. The, the New International Version sort of sanitized it a bit. And it says, um, a female slave had a spirit by which she predicted the future. But if you go and look in an interlinear, and you can see the actual Greek there, you can see that. Uh, a damsel, certain certain damsel, having a spirit of python. And Numa is a spirit, and Puthonos is python. It literally is that. Now, apart from uh, Harry Potter devotees, you might not have actually encountered such a thing in common life. But in those times, the most famous person in the ancient world to have a spirit of python was the high priestess of the temple of Apollo at Delphi. She was known as the Oracle of Delphi and she was a seer, which means she was a seer of the future. She had the capacity to see the future. And the spiritual entity which affected her and which she worshipped gave her the capacity to see it and worked through pythons, both at Delphi and, you know, that was a religious movement, so in many places. And the high priestess was known as the Pythia, the mythic giant python that is said to have guarded the secret site at Delphi. 
And that python gave revelation and prophecy from the gods. And then a bit later on, the Greeks say that this, their god Apollo slew that python and he established his own temple and his own prophetic oracle on the same site. And he took the name of that serpent and he became the Pythian Apollo. And so the spirit would take possession of that high priestess, the Pythia, and speak through her. And the people of those days, that was phenomenally the epitome, the high point of getting special divine revelation. That's what they thought. Kings and emperors came to Delphi to inquire of her and to get revelation from the gods. And we hear that and we say, that is the opposite of Christianity. The, the opposite. They are seeing that a serpent is a source of divine wisdom. And what's the Bible say? No, a serpent is a symbol of darkness. And what would happen is people would come and they'd want to get a word and the Pythia would fall into a delirium, be violent shaking, moaning, shrieking, foaming at the mouth, speaking in unintelligible words, a sort of speaking in tongues. And so for the people of that time, the highest source of divine revelation was a woman possessed by a spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty shaky source of good information. Yeah, very shaky. So, so this woman is calling up to Saul, is walking along. She's in that, that line of religion. The same family as the Delphi Oracle, but she had a Python spirit. And her, make, her keepers, they're making a lot of money out of that. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Well, there was a pretty antagonist, antagonistic reaction when Paul cast that demon out. So what are some of the factors contributing to it? Well, first, of course, the fact that not, not going to be any more money. And so she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, he turned around her. He said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And she left. And when the owners realized that their money, hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities. So more than that, though, is for the, it's a community effect too, isn't it? Because the, the community felt like they were lost of service. That had been provided they lost this capacity to control the future to get an edge to have an advantage it was going to make them wealthy and and popular and successful they've lost the channel of blessing they've lost something that they've so far been relying upon in their understanding of religion they lost power and although there's always a sting in the a tail to the power they were getting they still felt they lost the power of the gods then again, the gods themselves, they're saying, what's this person challenging us? And what gets fired up? Naked rage is expressed by the people. And it shows you what those gods thought about this. Because they fired up their followers to white-hot anger. And it's not just this story, but really all the early persecution of the church up for 300 years, the gods are bringing persecutions against Christians. 
because Christians are challenging the power of the gods and showing that they have more. You know, in the early days, all the early Christians had to do was offer an off incense offering to the Roman gods and they wouldn't have been persecuted. But they wouldn't do it because they understood that even the simplest thing like that is, is bad because they're, giving, they're, they're offering worship to the spiritual powers behind. So I'm saying they understood that there were spiritual powers behind and they wouldn't bow the knee. And it was not until Emperor Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire that these spiritual forces, their influences, evicted from the public opinion of Western culture. Well, they've been coming back. And if you've been wondering where the modern ideas about gender fluidity and marriage equality have come from, then you just need to survey some of these ancient pagan gods. Some of these ideas are not new, they're not us being enlightened. They go right back to ancient Mesopotamia, to the times of Sumer and Akkad, and you'll find that there's nothing new under the sun. Now, this message, I'm not going to document that, but just know that none of those pagan theologies are going to save you. And if you come across stuff that sounds interesting, worth considering, you think, oh, something about goddesses, oh, I'm a goddess, I might, no. Crystals, they'll help, no. Spirit guides, no. Readings, horoscopes, it's an endless list of alternative sources of power. They're all no good. Every, and the fascinating thing is, in this story, is that even pagan influences like this and the spirits which are behind them, driving what they say, know this very important thing. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most God, high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Every spiritual influence, which is not Christian, still knows that the way to be saved is through Jesus. Jesus is the way to be saved. Every spirit knows that Paul's message of the gospel is correct and the only way to be saved. And every pagan entity also knows there's a limited time left before Christ returns and they get really angry by the message of Christ-saving people who they want to have come to their way. And if someone comes to you with a nice modern message of hope and maybe some extra power from the force or the goddess of heaven or the goddess within, tell them what the Bible says and see what happens. Because if they rise up in rage against your narrow-mindedness, against your bigotry, against your hate speech, you can be sure that there's something behind it. There's a force, a spiritual force behind it. There's a stronghold of thought behind it which is raging against Jesus. But don't be surprised as we move along how intense the reaction will be to biblical truth because it's spiritually fueled. The forces, the spiritual forces behind those ideas are pagan, they're anti-Christian, and they're in direct opposition to the truth of the Bible, the truth that there only is one name given under heaven on earth by which we must be saved. They all rage against the gospel. So the story carries on. They brought them before the magistrates and said, 
these men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And it wasn't just them on their own because the crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods and after that being severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders he put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stock. For many years in Australia, Christians have lived in relative peace, but it's being challenged bit by bit here and there. might not continue forever. And so I think that going forward, the book of Acts is very instructional for us because it shows us how to live as the world becomes increasingly more pagan. That's what we see, a pagan world clashing with a Christian world. And I think that barring significant revivals, we need to have decided ahead of time what we'll do and we need to be prepared emotionally mentally spiritually here we've got Paul and Silas they took a severe beating for doing something really really good casting out a demon and they're imprisoned as securely as you can be imprisoned in the heart of the prison and in feet in stocks and they just had an unfair beating it was illegal it hurt like heck there was no medical treatment provided for their wounds. And nevertheless, what were they doing? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're worshipping. Now the prisoners are listening to them. A challenge, isn't it? Can you see yourself as a Paul and Silas? When you get... When things get tough, would you see as clearly as Paul and Silas did here that the pagan gods of this world, the spiritual influences behind the authorities are nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about because they are serving the God of the universe. Nothing to worry about because they know Jesus. Because they have an eternal hope. When the things of this world are stripped away, will we worship as Paul and Silas did? Knowing that this world is not our home that we're just passing through, that the eternity placed in our hearts is calling us to eternity in heaven. Will you remember this story? If you continue, will you continue to praise and worship knowing that when you've been knocked down by life, if you still worship, God can do amazing things. God can do miracles. Because you think about it, Paul and Silas were exactly where God wanted them. They were on mission, they went at home, building and establishing their income streams. They were worshipping, not whinging. They were right where God's plan for the jailer's salvation needed them to be. And we see what happened. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, such a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted out, don't harm yourself. We're all here. It's amazing he actually knew that because it's all in the dark, isn't it, at this point. Uh, we're all here. So the jailer called for lights, rushed in and trembling, fell before Paul and Silas and 
He then brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, he washed their wounds and immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. That is a dramatic rescue. A dramatic conclusion to a worship service. <laughs> so God dramatically rescued them, gave them the medical treatment they needed, so fed them, and then brought salvation to the whole household of the jailer. And then we see something which is going to be important for us as Christians too, what I would call a posture, an inner posture, an inner attitude, a sense of yourself under pressure, the way you hold yourself in a tight situation. Because Paul and Stylus stood up against the unfair accusations, against their unfair illegal treatment. They weren't bowed down by it. They had their spiritual armour on, they'd been warring with the spiritual weapons of prayer and worship and thanksgiving, but they stood firm. They knew their God was more powerful than the gods of the age who raged against them, and they knew that their mission wasn't a comfortable one for this world, but it was an eternal life-giving one for the next world. So the story carries on, it was daylight, and the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, well, magistrates have ordered that you and Silas can be released, now you can leave, go in peace. Paul said to the officers, hold on, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison, and now they want to get rid of us quietly? Well, no, let them come themselves and escort us out. And the officers reported that to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed, and they came to appease them, and they escorted them from the prison, and they requested them, please leave the city. And in the skirmishes to come, as ancient pagan concepts of gender fluidity, marriage equality, etc., 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 are peddled around as new and enlightened, let's not be flustered. Let us learn from Paul and Silas' posture, which made the authorities take responsibility for what they'd done. Because our leaders have a responsibility to look after all of our citizens equally, which includes us. And we need to hold them to it. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. And after battles like this, Draw strengths and encouragement from your fellow believers. Don't slink off to lick your wounds on your own. Draw to one another more and more as the day approaches, the day of the Lord's return. Because lone soldiers in this time to come will get picked off by the enemy. We need one another. And so after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they did that. They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then there's a little phrase there. What did they do next? Then they left, 
carry on their mission. So to wrap it up, although we haven't documented very much in this message, we are seeing in the public sphere the return of ancient ideas. And when pagans choose a god of their own making, when they decide what they think God ought to be like, be sure that they will just be rebranding a concept from the ancient days because there is nothing new under the sun. Don't be worried about it. Don't be worried about the strength of their arguments, the slickness of their presentation, the raging of their views because Satan's time is short and he's getting more anxious and he's getting angry and he's stirring up his followers and he's a barking dog on a chain. And God's in control of the chain. We need to have the clarity which the first apostles and disciples had. They knew they had more power in the name of Jesus than any of the spiritual forces out there. And it's time for us to be clear, or time for us to clear out of our lives anything that stops God working that power through us. Up to us to identify, ask the Holy Spirit, show me if there's anything that needs to change. I don't want anything that the devil can use within me. I don't want any secret appetite tying me up. I don't want any unforgiveness of someone tying me up. I don't want any soul tie that I have with people from the past tying me up. Because I need the power of God. And I need to be connected with the Lord. I need to be walking in holiness and righteousness. And every now and then, maybe, just like this woman got under Paul's skin, so you'll have a spiritual battle here and there. And in that time, be strong in the Lord. Resist in Jesus' name. Stand firm while wearing the full armour of God and command them in the name of Jesus to leave. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of it. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. My friends, Jesus has the power to cast out the gods that are affecting you, that you come across. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you have the power. The story that we find in the Gospels is true and we need to stand in it and revitalise our faith. The only remedy that can save the world is people being revived in their faith people being serious about their faith, people trusting in the power of the God who created us. And so we ask for your strengthening, strengthening. we ask for your empowering, and we ask that uh, you show us what needs to be dealt in, with in our lives because we turn to you and we rest in you as the God of the universe.